Hey everyone, welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. This is Trent. I'm here with Alan. And Alan, one of the things that we always have said, and I've heard a lot of other people say, is that churches are not really good at discipleship. So I know it's a frustrating thing and a struggle, but um, is there something that we can do to change the way that we look at discipleship or how that we do it to make it more effective? And it's funny, I think we could almost have a different podcast just about the subject of discipleship each week because it's such such a big topic. And I think that's one of the problems with it is it seems like it's such a big topic, maybe we don't know how to narrow that down. And so today what we want to do is maybe give you some thoughts that help you inside your church make some of the shifts that you need to make to make your discipleship effective. So, you know, everything we do, Help you in your church. We also recognize that every church is different. So how do we do discipleship when every particular setting is completely different? That's a real challenge. It really is. And and so and and every church is different. So yeah, I mean, but there are some some basic things I think that the churches and individuals, I when really when it comes to discipleship, it's not so much a church thing as it is an individual thing. And and so you know, as we look at this, there are some suggestions and we're going to uh, talk through about six different things that I think that would be good that Alan put together for us today. And so, um, Alan, the first thing you have on our list is is a move or a shift from surface belief to conviction. And so kind of give me some thoughts about that. What are you looking at? Yeah, there was this great line from um, um, an author uh, on discipleship, where they're looking at brain science and its effects on discipleship. And Jesse Cruikshank says this, we are not transformed by facts and information by what we believe in our bones. And I just thought that was such a powerful line and a great reminder that I think one of the things that we have about discipleship is that people are disciples at the surface level but they're not necessarily there at the core of their existence and who they are, recognizing that I am in Christ. Mm. That conviction that I truly belong to Christ and I am his, I'm not my own, I've been bought with a price, needs to be something that is more than just something we believe at the surface level, but really does dictate our entire life. I really agree with you, Alan, and 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 Jesse's the that quote really encapsulates because we're it seems like that's what people are just in church or they're just gathering facts and information or entertainment but really it's it comes down to what we do believe what do we what's the core of what we believe and i i feel like there's so many folks that that they've not ever made that that belief step and so it makes you wonder and question maybe it's just that they haven't moved forward in discipleship, but have they made the decision to follow Christ? Or are they just getting some information for a possibility? Yeah, and you know, we we see this a lot in areas. If you think about it from the standpoint of if you're a baseball fan and you know, every team starts out with a zero and zero record, and they're gonna play 162 games, and we know that someone's going to the playoffs. But if I said you know, the Oakland A's were going to be the best team in baseball in 2023. I could actually say that in the start of April and 
people might look at me and go, well, does he really believe that? Well, probably not because I knew that they were a bad team. I think a lot of people are like that in their discipleship. Well, I, I say I'm a follower of Christ, but they're just not sure they're really buying into all that that is. And what we're talking about is, is that you're wholly bought into the idea that God wants to do something in your life and that you are looking at opportunities to surrender more of your life to him. And this is at really at the function of when you wake up and when you go to bed, like, like the psalmist would write, I can't not think about you, God. And that that's when you know it's a conviction and not just something that's you're kind of going through the motions with. Mm, yeah, I think that's really good, Alan. And that, and that really does kind of lead to the next point that you have here on our list. And this is, is so it's, you know, instead of just gathering facts and information you have here, it's from, we need to make a shift from instruction to imitation. Um, and so it's not just gathering facts, but it's, it's walking with and imitating our savior. And, and so I think that's a big part of disciple making. Yeah. I heard somewhere. And when I was like a teenager or something that said a, a disciple would be someone who walked in the footsteps of, and that certainly makes sense that we, you know, we are to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. But again, one of those things in our Western culture is we are a very factual, you know, knowledge-based society. We have very few apprenticeships. People don't apprentice under someone and learn how to do something. That be a, a trade, some other kind of life skill. We just don't use that process, but certainly in the ancient world, they understood that the best way to become great at something was to follow along and do what someone was already great at it did and follow in the steps. Yeah, um, and there's a, another, I guess, a phrase that I heard many years ago, and it's, it kind of comes from that Jewish background that we're supposed to be covered in the dust of the rabbi. Um, to be walking close enough to and imitating someone closely enough that you're the dust that they kick up as they walk is covering you. And I, I think that's a big part of that imitation. We have to walk with someone. We have to be able to observe their lives and then we can imitate them. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's not just gathering facts. It is moving to a life commitment that is walking with. And that's why I, instead of calling someone a Christian, I think it's more effective and more genuine to call them a follower of Jesus. Um, and because Christian, there's so many, and especially in the United States, so many people call themselves Christian. We live in a Christian nation, but they have no clue what that means instead of being a follower of Christ. Yeah, you know, Trent, when I was growing up, we had a thing called, you know, training union. And I barely remember that, but we called it training union. And then it became discipleship training. And it was this big idea where we would go up to, to our church and someone would sit behind a lectern and tell us what discipleship is. And for some reason, it never caught on. And I think part of that is, is because no one was ever applying anything. We were just gathering more information. And so that kind of brings us to that third one from programming to identification. So, you know, are, are we really just programming ourselves and again, getting things in, or are we truly identifying ourselves in Christ? So am I learning about it or am I becoming it? it really yeah, well, that's a great question. And, you know, 
like you said, and I think that a lot of churches and a lot of different organizations still do that, you know, talking at the people instead of walking with. Um, and I, I think that's the model of discipleship that needs to be followed is walking with instead of talking at. Um, when Alan and I went to college together and um, I remember being part of a discipleship, uh, it was an evangelism training class that we had at our church. And uh, we would go out on, on Sunday nights, uh, you know, we'd take some time to do this training, but then we would go put it into practice and we would go visit with people. And that was, that to me was a lot more effective than sitting in a classroom having somebody talk at me. I was getting to walk with someone and getting to put it into practice immediately. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, you and I both, we we also cut our teeth in kind of our little radio station we had there on campus um, at university. And, uh, you know, it'd be one thing to learn about being on the radio. and What does it mean to be on the radio? But it was a completely other thing to actually be on the radio. And back in the time when you actually had to queue up an album, it wasn't pre pre done where all you had to do, just do is push a button and that just kept going. We had to pull a, put a record on and we had two turntables and hopefully they both were working and you'd set one and you'd get the other one on pause and then you'd push a button for a track to play for a commercial and then you'd then you'd put the album on. There was a lot that went into it. You know, we could have someone could have told you, well, this is what you do. Oh, well, that doesn't sound hard. But then you're trying to shuffle 12 different things and it was completely different. The same is true in being a disciple. We learn a lot about being a disciple. But until we're actually a disciple, we don't know what discipleship really is. Yeah, you're right, Alan. And it's because when we're just reading from a book or have someone speak to us, then that's a, a perfectionist view of what disciple being a disciple could be but just like working i remember working at, at that radio station at wayland and about half our things didn't work half the time and so we had to learn on the fly and i think that's what discipleship is too it's learning on the fly as you walk as you go make disciples and so um i think that's that's so important that we are not just learning from the book or learn having someone else tell us their experience, but we have to um, walk with them and see their experience. And that doesn't mean all the books are bad. There's some great studies out there. I, you know, I loved an old one we used to do called Master Life. I believe you can still mm -hmm. get loved Master Life. I loved the study Experiencing God. There are great resources out there, but just completing the book doesn't make you a disciple. It has to become a lifestyle. It has to become something that's ingrained in who you are. That is what those were meant to do. It wasn't meant to be an ends in, in, in and of itself. Yeah, you're right, Alan. And so we, you know, we talked from moving from programming to identification. And the next thing you have on the list is moving from more of a corporate um, setting to an individual setting. And we've kind of hit around this a little bit. But what are your thoughts when you think of that moving from corporate to individual? Well, you know, you and I have this privilege of going into so many different churches. And again, in small churches, there's just a limit to what you can do, right? So usually there's one study going on. Maybe they have, you know, their Sunday morning service, and then they've got one other study. Maybe they're doing something like experiencing God or, or something like that. But a lot of times it's geared toward this corporate mindset. 
so that even in a small church where you've got 40 people who are in church, you're trying to disciple all 40 at one time. When maybe the real idea was is that maybe as a pastor or a leader in the church that you disciple, you disciple two or three, and they in turn disciple two or three. They train someone else to disciple two or three. And so instead of getting everyone on that, you're getting everyone in a more smaller setting so you can be more effective. Well, because I guess the the church expectation, the church member expectation is that the hired paid staff is going to do everything, then they have not done, you know, take their two or three. And so the pastor is relegated to having to try to disciple everyone at the same pace and same time. But we all know in a, in a classroom setting in school that that doesn't work. I mean, the teacher can talk to the entire class about a subject, but everybody's at their own kind of pace and they're learning differently. And so there is that need for a, a teacher or a, a disciple maker to be able to get to know someone and see where they're at and answer those individual questions that they may have. Yeah, we even get the idea with the disciples that they were at different levels at different times in their discipleship. It's obvious that that John and Peter had kind of set themselves apart in some way, that that they they got it more quickly than everyone else. So there's certainly a sense of that that's going on with that. So it is important for us to remember that discipleship is an individualized process. It's not a corporate process at its very center, at, at its very core. And so, you know, when you're thinking about the role as a discipler, your role really as a mentor who guides people in their own process. And I saw that as a, as a cross country and track coach. I had some kids who were better, who were better trainers at, a, at, you know, at higher intensity and low, lower volume. And I had some that needed more volume and less intensity and some in between. And you had to learn to work with their individual styles. If I tried to coach every student the same, none of them would reach their potential. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so that is absolutely true of all the folks that we have in church. They're all at different levels or different lengths of time being a follower of Christ. And so, um, you know, somebody who's been a, a follower of Christ for 50 years may have different questions and should have different questions than somebody who just became a follower of Christ the week before. Um, and so they are going to be at different levels. And so we do need those mentors, those people that, that will let someone walk beside them. And I, I know that as soon as I say that, everybody's, well, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I'm not perfect. Well, welcome to the club, people. Um, you're not perfect. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. And, and you're learning and you're walking with people as you're learning too. So um, anybody can do this. Absolutely. So we've talked about moving from corporate to individual. Let's talk about this too. This goes back to the church culture, moving from option to expectation, where discipleship is kind of viewed as an optional activity of the church. Mm. It is the expectation of everyone who's part of the church to be a growing disciple. I think our culture is almost forcing us into this one. 
because why go to church if you're not going to take seriously what God wants to do in your life? There's not much reason to be casually involved in our culture is kind of pushing us this way. So if you're going to if you're going to take your time to be a part of a church, why wouldn't you be fully involved and fully invested in that? So, you know, we see that tension there, but it should be an expectation in our church, right? Yeah, I mean, Matthew 28 tells us to go and make disciples, not people with a, well, if this fits in my calendar, then I'll be a part of it. Um, that's not what Jesus asked us to make. And that, and so turn that around to me being the, the uh, potential disciple E, then I've got to ask myself, am I willing to be disciples? And if I'm not willing to make that commitment, then I also need to ask myself, am I really a follower of Christ? Um, if I'm not willing to follow Jesus, then I'm probably not a follower of Christ. And, and so there's some questions that we need to ask ourselves before we continue on. Yeah, the healthiest church environments, discipleship is that culture. It's where everyone is kind of brought into this idea of we share life with one another, we share our spiritual growth with one another, and we're involved in each other's life. That's why we think things like small groups are so impactful, because small groups actually can actually kind of form a natural pathway of discipleship that is very healthy in a church. And so it's important to cultivate your small group ministry. And discipleship doesn't take place very well in larger segments. So the smaller the segment, the better it takes place. And that becomes the expectation in a church like that. Yeah. And so that can be, you know, that some of the first ones of those were Sunday school classes. Um, and they, they led people even, you know, before they accepted or trusted Christ with their lives, that became a pathway to them becoming a follower of Jesus and then continuing on in discipleship. Um, and so, you know, that has kind of grown to be not just Sunday school, but maybe your church has small groups that meet outside of church in different times. Those are all great. Um, and, you know, the, like Alan said, those smaller settings, I think it frees people up to ask some questions that they might have. Um, that they wouldn't have the opportunity to ask in a worship service. So, um, and so giving people the freedom to ask those questions allows them to learn better and to um, see how people work through. Because sometimes the Sunday school teacher or small group leader doesn't have the answer. But, the, you know, working through that together is a great op learning opportunity as well. Yeah, so we've, we've caught on five of them. Let's do one more, Trent. Let's look at a sixth one here. That's moving from passive to active. And what, what we mean by passive is the idea that we're just hoping that someone kind of catches on to having an active plan that we know know is impactful and it makes a difference in people's lives. So we don't want to just be passive in what we do in ministry. And there's a lot of tendencies in our churches to just be passive. It's kind of like making the announcement, you know, who would like to help in children's ministry today? Yeah. yeah, announcement. You know, just let us know if you'd like to. Versus going up to someone directly and saying, "You know, we were praying about someone to help in children's ministry, and your name came to our mind. Would you consider helping in our children's ministry?" That's an active approach. A passive approach is getting up before the church and saying, "We need help. Would you help?" Mm. And I right. think 
need to do. We need to be more active in this process. Well, you know, Alan, when we were in college, I was not the best student uh, <laughs> until Dana and I started dating. Then I became a 4.0 student, but I think she pushed me and, and held some expectations. And, and did but, your you know, homework, but that's a different story. <laughs> hey, <laughs> don't tell everything, you know. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, you know, the, in college or high school even, you know, you like, okay, I'm going to put the book underneath my pillow and hopefully learn by osmosis and, yes. and stuff. That's kind of a passive way, you know, never being in your Bible is a, is definitely a passive path to discipleship, but opening the book, cracking the book, reading it for yourself, reading God's word for yourself, and then also getting someone to read with you and asking them to be involved with you in not only studying scripture, but serving the Lord in different places in your church. That's an active thing in asking people to make that commitment. Yeah. So I think what we were talking about when we think about this being active is it's the intentionality behind it. Are you taking intentional steps with discipleship and with a discipleship process? Or are you just hoping that you've done enough stuff where someone is going to catch on? If you find yourself hoping, you're taking a pass passive approach. If you know and can explain what you're doing, you're taking an active approach. And I'm afraid what many of our churches have done, and I've been guilty of it. So I want to confess that these are things I'm learning sitting in the chair that I'm sitting in now, is that I was way too passive in my discipleship approach and not nearly active enough. I think most churches are fit in that same deal. They just, you know, hope that somebody will want to be a disciple maker and hope that somebody would want to give time to be a disciple. Um, so we're all in that boat. But just because we're all in that boat now doesn't mean we can't start paddling the same direction and, and becoming, you know, active and in our path now and changing things let's quit complaining about the fact that churches are terrible at disciples making but let's start doing something about it and so today we talked about some shifts that we can make uh, these will all be in our show notes on on the site as well uh, but we want to encourage you to be active in making disciples uh, follow matthew 28 18 through 20 and, and make it an active part of your church. Don't just assume that people are doing what they need to be, become a growing disciple. Well, we really appreciate the fact that you've taken some time today to listen to us. We hope that you'll make this an active conversation, that you'll um, tell us some things that you would like to add to our show. Maybe it's a, a topic of discussion that you've wondered about and that we could talk through. Uh, please get in contact with us. We appreciate so much that you have listened to our podcast today, and we hope you'll tune in next week for our next episode.